Welcome to The Mother Whelm. This is a podcast for mothers and parents to safely share the challenges and triumphs of motherhood, shed light on taboos, and celebrate everyday victories. I'm your host Bronwyn, and I'm here to talk to you about all things motherhood, the miraculous parts and the overwhelming parts, the ones that make you wonder how you got here, and those that make you realise you're exactly where you should be. This podcast is produced on Darug and Gundungara country, land that has been the home of mothering and storytelling for tens of thousands of years. We acknowledge and pay our respects to the Darug and Gundungara elders, past, present and emerging as the traditional custodians of this land. On today's episode, we are joined by Chelsea, the host of the Definitely Baby podcast and a second time mum on her VBAC journey. She shares with us the difficulties of facing off against societal expectations, coming to terms with the unpredictability of birth, and the importance of reconnecting with her intuition. Let's begin. Thank you for coming on today, Chelsea. Can you start us (laughs) off by telling us who is in your family? Yeah, so I'm Chelsea. There's obviously me in my family and my partner, Hagen. We have a almost two-year-old daughter in a couple of weeks she's turning two and I'm also 27 weeks pregnant with our second daughter who's coming in Jan yeah that's very exciting yeah what were you like before you became a mother Mm, so I was you know this is a funny one because I got pregnant unplanned on a copper IUD so I feel like I was still very young I was 26 at the time I was in a relatively new relationship. My partner and I had only been together for uh, I think about a year or just under a year when I got pregnant. Uh, And so, you know, I hadn't even established a quote-unquote proper career for myself. I'd studied an undergrad. I had worked a few hospo jobs and some other bits and bobs here and there. Um, I'd travelled a lot. I'd spend my years either at uni then working then spending my money on traveling. Mm. (laughs) So I was definitely well-traveled. It wasn't exactly like I was a child. I grew up in country Victoria and yeah, I had to move to the city. I moved out of home when I was 18 to Melbourne. I just, just turned 18 if I wanted to attend uni. So, you know, I I Mm. guess I had to gain independence quite young. And yeah, so I didn't feel super young or anything like that. And I'd like to say I'm still a pretty independent person today because of kind of how that happened. But yeah, I was definitely, definitely still in, in that kind of mid to late twenties stage when I did get pregnant and it was a lot sooner than I probably would have had a baby (laughs) had it been planned. But yeah, it's also been magical. What were your expectations of motherhood before you had children? I guess like my mum was a midwife when I was growing up. So I was around kids a lot. I was an only child myself. I always really wanted siblings. I do feel a little bit of a loss there as well. Not having siblings now. I see so many people that have beautiful sibling relationships and how that can kind of change as you have children as well. But yeah, I guess a lot of my expectations came from seeing how My mum was with, she was a single mother as well. I guess that's important to note, single mother, no siblings. She was very focused on me, like our whole, my whole kind of upbringing. We did a lot of traveling then. And so 
a lot of my ideas just came from her and I always had a feeling that I would have kids. I always knew that I would, that I wanted to, and that, that it would be something that I would be good at. I just had an intuition (laughs) that that's what I would do and that I would like doing it. I didn't know when that would happen. And then I guess otherwise maybe, yeah, my ideas about it kind of came from, you know, what you see on in the media or in TV shows. Yeah, I I didn't have any because I was quite young in in my eyes anyway when I first had my daughter. I didn't have friends around me who had kids, like super close friends that I would see on the regular. Anyway, so I didn't really have that that modelled to me in a close relationship kind of way. Hmm. So what did you think it would be like? I guess I thought it would be pretty beautiful. Like I, I always had the feeling that motherhood would be amazing and as I said I had this draw to it I guess I always had this intuition that it would give me this kind of purpose or it was always in the back of my mind of this calling to be a mother (laughs) I remember when one time I must have been around 23 or 24 and I found this little toy bunny that had the tags on it on on the street Mm. (laughs) like near my near my share house and I remember like picking it up and just like taking it with me for some reason. I probably should have left it there for whoever's <laughs> it actually was. But I, I remember having this really strong feeling that this was going to be for my baby one day. Mm. And yeah. That's so um, beautiful. Yeah. And I actually haven't given it to Hazel. <laughs> because I think it's still at my mom's house. Somewhere. I was thinking about that the other day. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess I always, always had this draw to it and always knew that it was something that was going to be right for me. And I think that that's helped me a lot with how I feel about motherhood now as well. Mm. What was your journey to motherhood like? And do you think that impacts your parenting? Yeah, as I said, I, th- I, I do think it being unplanned does affect my parenting. I mean, a lot of people who I've met through parents group or baby classes or other parents that I have met, because yeah, as I said, I, I still don't have any close friends that also have kids you know, I, I wasn't, I hadn't proactively planned, like a lot of people seem to plan for years for kids. You know, they've they've got married. My partner and I aren't married. That's something that people always assume, which I could I have found quite challenging as well. Like mm. people will ask, you know, what does your husband do or something like that? Or how did you, you and your husband meet? Just for one, assuming that I'm in a straight heterosexual relationship Mm. and also that I'm married just because I have kids. So I think that that's hard hearing that constantly from people when I'm not married. Not that I feel embarrassed about it or anything, but yeah. So I guess I hadn't set myself up financially. I was studying a master's of secondary teaching when I got pregnant. So I was halfway through that course and finished it off when I was eight months pregnant. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I've just been working, doing tuition since then. I haven't worked in an actual school, but I've never been on a, a set salary. I've never mm. had that time to set myself up like a lot of people do. We we rent the house that we live in. We don't own it. And so I, I guess that sets you up to be not on the back foot at all. I think that we're doing really well and we're doing fine and um, renting's really working for us. Yeah, I guess that's a different way than a lot of people who I've met have gone into their motherhood journeys. That's a, the kind of one of the the like meta narratives that we receive, <laughs> you know, 
that you first you get married and you have a career and you set like you you're using that phrase set yourself up and I think if we if we kind of interrogated that a little bit it's really kind of it absolutely obviously works for some people it's not how I went about it um (laughs) and it was we got pregnant with Milo very intentionally with my eldest very intentionally but we're renting we got married in December last year and so it was never like marriage wasn't a priority for me I wanted to be a mum that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I was not, <laughs> am not, <laughs> was not financially set up, but it's different people, right? And different, yeah, like, different approaches. Because if I waited until everything was perfectly aligned and I was, you know, like I'd be waiting forever. I, mm-hmm. you know, I just based off how, how long it took me to kind of figure out what career I wanted. And I'm still, I'm still figuring that out and it's changing. And you know, if I waited for everything to be set up perfectly, I wouldn't have children right now. I wouldn't have the the little people who I love desperately and who test me, <laughs> test, push, push me to the limits of desperation every day, you know. So I don't think there's one way or one right way of doing things. And that is really difficult when you don't have people close to you who have the same approach or even have the same experiences. So I, I did want to ask about you said you don't have any close friends still who have children as well. Yeah. How has becoming a mother, this is kind of taking a little bit of a departure, we'll get back to that <laughs> original question, but yeah. how has becoming a mother impacted your friendships? I think really hugely. This is, yeah, this is something that I think about often and especially now. I think that it's, yeah, it's shifted them in, yeah, a monumental kind of way. You know, I went from enjoying that like late, 20s kind of life where a lot of my socialization was late night dinner parties or board games or wine or movies or house parties or festivals and Mm. all of these things that aren't very conducive to my life now and to being a parent Mm. (laughs) a lot of nighttime things yeah into into motherhood and I have a lot of friends who are still in that phase so there's definitely some of those friendships that have drifted Mm. I would say quite a lot. And, you know, there's even will be times where I I don't get invited anymore to those kind of events. Sometimes I do to kind of the big ones, but there seems to be like this assumption that, you know, Chelsea has a child now, so she won't be able to come. And maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because when I was invited, I often couldn't come mm. to those things. So, yeah, I think that that has been probably one of the most challenging parts of becoming a mum mm. for me has been how those friendship dynamics have changed. It's not even a part of actually being a parent that's the hardest thing. It's how it's changed that aspect mm. of my identity. So it's definitely felt quite isolating at times. And that's part of the reason I started my own podcast because I felt quite alone in the motherhood aspect of my journey. Like a lot of my friends have been great my close friends anyway, like we'll do Sunday dinner parties, but they come to our house mm. sometimes or I'll catch up with friends during the day for coffee and Hazel can come along or we'll go to a park. And that's great that they try to adjust things to what works mm. for me. But yeah, there, there's definitely kind of a sense of loss there. And as well with not having siblings, you know, there's, yeah, there's not many people in my life that are relating on the same level. I've met some great mum friends through baby classes and I'm really enjoying how those relationships are strengthening over time. But I think Mm. in the early days, it's really hard 
to connect with people that you've never met before and you don't have this relationship with, like the strength of the relationship that you would have with someone who you've been friends with for years. You know, Mm. it only kind of comes with that kind of like longevity of a relationship. And yeah, so I think it can be really challenging for people trying to make those friendships. You've really got to work on them. and Yeah, <laughs> you really have to be active in seeking mm-hmm. out that kind of community. And I have one friend who has two daughters mm-hmm. and I have and my oldest friend who I've known for 25 years. She's Her baby's due in January as well, oh, um, her first baby. So, you know, we're kind of aligning very soon, I think. And that, that's kind of it in my the people I've known for a while. But you really have to kind of actively pursue friendships with people who have similar life experiences and are, are in the similar kind of season of life and, and motherhood as you. Because <laughs> I think when you're younger, you kind of, you're like making friends with people you go to school with. And then if you're going to uni, you're making friends with people you go to uni with. And it's kind of like, it's easier, I think, because you're in the same place at the same time, literally, you know, literally and figuratively. But when you become a mother, you really have to like, if the people around you that you already know aren't having children at the same time, you really have to be active in pursuing those friendships. And it's not, it's necessary. Like we do need to be able to connect with other women who have, who have shared experiences, but it's not necessarily the first priority when you've just had a baby, you know? And so (laughs) it can be really lonely and isolating. And I'm still part of the Facebook mother group I joined in 2019 when my first son was born. And so that's really helpful. You know, it's, it's been a good group, but I'm not close with anyone in that group. Like it's, Mm. Only only now that I've started the podcast with the women who I'm doing Australian VBAC stories with, now I feel like I've got that, but it's literally just been the last few months. Like now we're doing a, a joint project, we're getting close, and I, it's just like made such a huge difference to my life and to my mental state. It's been really beautiful, but it's only just happened and I've been a mother for four years. Like, And I didn't realise that's what's me. Like I didn't realise that's what's missing and how lonely yeah. I felt, you know, like it's... yeah. Anyway, sorry, this is not, it's not my no. episode. This keeps no. happening. <laughs> I love to talk. No, you know, and you make, yeah, you make such a good point there. It's, it's so challenging to kind of like establish those relationships, but they're so important. Like I'm, yeah, I'm so grateful that I do have those mum friendships that are really strengthening now, I think, because we've had that friendship for over a year now. Mm. So you start to kind of get closer and closer to someone, yeah. but it's, yeah, it is really hard at the start. It's it's a lot like da- like dating, I find it. You kind of <laughs> yeah. go on, maybe you'll figure out that you don't have that much in common at the baseline and can you go past just relating on this really intimate part of your lives, which is mm. parenting, which is great to do at the start. Like I, my new parents group didn't really ever take off. There was a little while where we caught up quite a lot and we'd just like talk about what the babies were up to and that was a great period in Mm. lieu of having (laughs) not really any other parent connections but it's definitely hard and I guess I've I've always struggled with generalized anxiety Mm. as long as I can remember and I think it definitely came out in my postpartum as well and in making friendships I suddenly became really insecure in what I had to offer Mm. as a mum friend because it didn't feel like any of these people would want to get to know me stupidly like it seems so silly to say now but I guess that also coming back to what you asked about earlier about how my journey into a parenthood has affected my experience of motherhood 
I guess I had insecurity that because I wasn't married and in my new parents group, for example, they were all married and had been for a long time. They were probably a little bit older than me. So I thought that they would kind of be judging me for being like, I I always had this thought that they would think I'm this young mum that didn't know what she was doing. And, Mm. but I think we all feel like that that we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) You have this perception that everybody else has it all together. And I really felt like that at the Mm. start. But it's through actually opening up and being vulnerable with some other mum friends that I made through baby classes. I remember one time we caught up without the babies and had a wine and we spoke about ourselves and our anxieties and it was just such an amazing experience because it really broke down some barriers and made me kind of think about, you know, everybody's kind of struggling in their own kind of way that's relative to their life. And yeah, that was an eye-opening experience for me. Beautiful. It's Mm. it's really refreshing when you get those opportunities. Absolutely. I feel like, I don't know, you can take a kind of deep breath and you're like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Next one is a big one. (laughs) Did your first birth impact your postpartum and overall experience of motherhood? Mm, Yeah, we were speaking a little bit about this before before we recorded and some things. I think it's a great question because it got me to reflect on it a lot and I think my birth has affected my motherhood a lot more than I originally anticipated. You know, I feel like I often recall my c-section which I had with my daughter as a positive experience yeah I felt like I had to justify why I had it or that I was all okay with it following it because I think a lot of people just assume that because you had a cesarean that maybe you're going to have some kind of trauma from that or it was a negative experience Mm. for you so a few people would kind of say oh oh no without asking I think it's really important to just ask people how did you feel about that Mm. rather than than putting any kind of like quality on their experience before, yeah, before really delving into that. Just because I had a cesarean doesn't mean that it was this negative experience Mm -hmm. for me. Like we went into it pretty prepared, like knowing what I know now, not as prepared as I would have liked to have been. I think I went into it quite naively, which a lot of people (laughs) who I've spoken to through this feedback series tend to with the first. My cesarean was the quintessential cascade of interventions, birth, I went into spontaneous labor, but then had an induction and, you know, epidural, pitocin, and mm. led it all the way through to very long labor, 45 hours before I had the, the cesarean. But yeah, and although I feel that I still had autonomy and choice along the way, and everyone was pretty great in that experience. I think everything that I've learned recently on my VBAC journey, yeah, has made me feel like I I do have some guilt or regret around that birth and that, you know, a, a sense of failure. And I hate that term, like failure to progress, which is what my birth was, what my labor was mm-hmm. noted as by the lovely obstetrician mm-hmm. <laughs> or failed induction or any kind of language that makes women feel like their bodies have failed. Mm. You know, that's so damaging and women hold that with them. (laughs) But I also, yeah, I also think that that language has had an effect on me and how I kind of view myself, you know, my ability to birth, my body's ability to do that and my sense of self as a mother. You know, I feel like 
I feel guilty that I had failed my daughter from the get-go, that I hadn't equipped myself enough for the birth. You know, I kind of think back now and I question like, why didn't I do more research into what all of those interventions mean? Why didn't I move more during labor? I feel like I was so out of it. Like I don't remember a lot of my labor. It was just so intense and it feels like I gave up in a lot of ways. Like I was just in the hospital. I spent so much time just, I guess I had the epidural, but I was just like laying on my side and like, yeah, why didn't I, why didn't I do more? That's kind of like the feeling that comes up Mm. a lot with it. Yeah. And with my body as well, I guess going through this feedback journey now, I have this fear of does my body actually know what to do? I think intuitively I know that she does, but Mm. yeah, I think it's really hard how people feel around their birth sometimes. Mm. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I don't want to kind of make a generalize you know huge sweeping statement I think but I think for most people birth is not just a day there's such a I feel like at least in in my experience there's a huge ripple effect so absolutely that use of language has a huge impact on how we move into motherhood I had the same statement used failure to progress and whether or not I actively thought I failed that definitely played a part in my postpartum I mean, you, you're on part of all the forums, so you would have seen it, but absolutely your body knows what to do. Um, <laughs> do you still, do you still, you're feeling that way now? Um, I think no. The, and speaking to women through the VBAC stories has really helped with that and listening to stories. I think birth stories, there's so much power in stories and I'm just lapping up everything that I can listen to. But yeah, I, th- I, I do think it is still somewhere in me there and Mm. I'm trying to kind of work through that and also accept the fact that I might have to have a repeat cesarean for whatever reason because birth can be so out of our control sometimes Mm. you don't know what to expect from it and I think I really need to that's the next stage that I'm trying to work through now is coming to peace with that and I think I think that that will be a really big thing for me but I really feel that this pregnancy is trying to teach me something or get me to work through some kind of unresolved trauma or unhealthy coping mechanisms that I've had throughout my life. I'm really cognizant of how those things are coming up. And yeah, I feel really, I feel really grateful <laughs> that they are because I think I'm facing a lot of things for the first time. Yeah properly in my life. And I listened to a great episode of, I think it was Positive Birth Australia with Jane Hardwick Collins. And Mm. she was talking about how it sounds pretty woo-woo, but how each of our babies in pregnancy and birth are trying to teach us something and they're trying to get us to work through something Mm -hmm. so that we don't pass that trauma or unhealthy coping kind of ways that we've had throughout our life onto them. And I've been thinking about it so much since I listened to that. And yeah, I really feel that that is happening to me. I think I, I've been a massive people pleaser my whole life and I just need to learn to use my voice more and connect with myself more. I think my anxiety often gets in the way of being in tune with my intuition mm. at times. And I think that this journey, even if I have a repeat C-section, is going to teach me that in a lot of ways. And I'm excited. Mm. I think what you're doing is really incredible with your VBAC miniseries because like I said on my, my episode with you, I did listen to all the stories and I did 
go on the Facebook group and everything, but you are really being active about seeking (laughs) out those stories and curating this collection of stories for yourself to empower yourself. I think it's incredible that you're doing that. And, you know, you said it's teaching you to use your voice and you're you're literally doing that, you know, (laughs) asking the questions of women and really gathering those stories to yourself. I think it's beautiful. I think you're doing a wonderful thing for yourself, but also for other women too. I think that's excellent. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's how I felt about it. You know, I wanted everything I wanted to know on my journey. I was like, I'm just going to take over my own podcast with this whole birth <laughs> series. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's, yeah, I'm obsessed with everything. Everyone I've spoken to, it's all been amazing. Mm, good. Mm. That's good. Could you walk us back through your pregnancy and any feelings that came up mm. with it being unexpected? Mm, yeah, sure. So, yeah, we were on a holiday in Tasmania when we found out. I had obviously an IED at the time, so you don't think that mm. <laughs> that that's going to happen. I'd actually, it was a copper IED and I'd had three friends that had gotten pregnant on them as well. So I guess I always had in the back of my mind, like, oh, that's a bit strange. Mm. But I nev- you never think it's going to happen because it's the most effective form of contraception apparently. So you know, my period was just later and later. I think it was 10 days late by the time, like, I guess I should do a test. And yeah, it was at first, it was obviously in a new relationship. And I remember telling Hagen, my partner in the morning when I got up and took the test, we were, we were with friends on a holiday and, you know, I think I cried when I told him, but I, I think I knew by that stage that I was pregnant. And I called my childhood best friend, Jassy at the time, and told her, uh, I just went back to the room and told her, and she's actually now pregnant. She lives in a country town, so a little w- way away from me. We won't be super close together, but she's due one month before me, which is mm-hmm. really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I remember that. And then it was a period of, yeah, a lot of mixed emotions, I guess. I was in the hospital for quite a period because with an IUD pregnancy, I think 50% of them are ectopic. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so there was that worry as soon as they mm. confirmed I was pregnant and then I had to spend a few nights in hospital and it was around Australia Day 2021 and so they had to get a sonographer to come in from the country or something to do the internal exam to confirm that the pregnancy was in the uterus, not in the fallopian tube. So, yeah, then we spent more time in and out of hospital deciding whether to get the IUD removed or to keep it in because it was right behind where the gestational sac was. So if it was pulled out, I think they said there was probably like an 80 to 90% chance of miscarriage because it was going to like go straight past the sac. But then they were like, so we recommend keeping it in. And we kind of said, but what are the risks involved there then? And they said, oh, you know, there's a chance of uh, preterm labor, increased chance of stillbirth. And there was, there was all these things. So it was kind of, Everything. that was what was good in that moment, <laughs> mm. but not, not necessarily for the pregnancy going forward. And in that time, we'd also decided to keep the baby if, mm. if everything went well. I guess I always, from the moment I found out I was pregnant, I just knew that I wanted to keep the baby. I always had this weird, I say I find it hard to touch onto my intuition, but I always had this feeling or intuition that the way that I was going to enter motherhood was through a surprise pregnancy. Mm. I just always had a feeling. And I think that that was the way that it was supposed to happen for my partner as well. Like he reflects on that now. He's seven years older than me. So he was 33 or 34 at the time. 
So he was that bit older, but he'd kind of thought that he didn't want to have kids. He'd kind Mm -hmm. of taken that idea just out of his mind. And then he also thinks that actively planning a baby, he would have kept thinking of reasons why not to as well. Mm -hmm. So it was perfect, I guess, for both Mm -hmm. of us. And yeah, and then the removal of the IED went all well. I remember waking up and them saying, yeah, you're still pregnant. And then it progressed pretty normally, I guess, for the rest of the pregnancy pretty easily. Hagen and I moved in together. Figured we probably should live together. (laughs) (laughs) Going to become parents. So, yeah, it was a lot happening. You know, we weren't living together in this kind of fresh relationship. Went to my first time living with a partner and just living. I was living in a share house with five people to living in yeah, this house with just me and my partner. But it was, yeah, it was great. And I think I had a bit of perinatal anxiety, maybe in depression in my first pregnancy that I have realized in hindsight, because I'm a lot more aware of that now, Mm. especially through speaking to people through my own podcast. I think that's really shone a light on my experiences there. Like I remember crying a lot throughout the pregnancy, but I don't remember it in any kind of negative way. I did hide my, I didn't post anything about it online until I was, I think about eight months pregnant. And Mm. my friend who's a photographer took some photos of me and then she posted them online and I reshared it or something. And so many people didn't know (laughs) (laughs) when I was pregnant. A lot of my ex-boyfriends were messaging me like, oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So funny how when they come out of the woodwork and you're like, (laughs) where'd you come from? Yeah. I I put you in a box and forgot about you. Yeah. Doesn't mean you stop existing. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Yeah. And (laughs) so, yeah, I guess it was, it progressed in that kind of way. But I guess because I hadn't had any preparation beforehand, even though I think I am a pretty strong, independent person in a lot of ways, but I was probably pretty overwhelmed for that Mm. whole pregnancy, even if I wasn't really aware of it, because I was getting my head around being pregnant, being in this relationship that's now going to be a lifelong relationship, Mm. no matter matter whether we're together in 20 years. And yeah, all of these things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the time things happen the way they need to happen. And like you said, you kind of had that, that feeling that you would enter motherhood through a surprise pregnancy. Like I feel like the universe kind of can make these decisions for us and sends us what we need and who we need at just the right time. Mm-hmm. And like you, what you said about what Jane Hardwick Collins said about the baby's teaching or something, all three of mine have absolutely taught me what I may mm. not have realized I needed to learn at the time, but they absolutely and continue to teach me as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's really, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is I I love like the unexpected bits of stories that come out. Mm. I'm just like, yeah, that's so good to hear. (laughs) So good to talk about. How have you changed since becoming a mother? Mm. Um, I think again, massively for a while in my first year of motherhood, I think I would often say that it had made me a more confident person and I don't know if that's true anymore. I think in a lot of ways I've become a lot more introverted Mm. than I was before, just maybe by circumstance, maybe it's the phase that I'm in. But as I said, I loved doing kind of late night things and being really social. And I had a massive kind of friendship group with pockets of friends everywhere. And I thrived on that. Now I get a lot of my energy (laughs) from being alone, but it's also Mm. because I'm just so tired and depleted (laughs) (laughs) a lot of the time. But I guess maybe what the feeling that I was having of being more confident was more so just self-assured and having that sense of purpose. 
Mm. I think motherhood instilled in me a very strong sense of purpose because I was very independent and you aren't as independent after you become a mother because you've literally got these little beings depending on you (laughs) to Mm. survive. And that's a really big thing to get your head around. I mean, I love it. I've never, I've never questioned, yeah, any of that. Like I, I love being Hazel's mother and she's such an amazing little bub. And I guess motherhood is so much of my identity now, but I guess because I have had anxiety for so long and it has come up, come up a lot recently again since being pregnant, I've gotten quite filled with self-doubt in a lot of kind of facets of my life. And it's flared up in certain aspects of my motherhood journey, maybe in the early postpartum period. But I really focus on caring for my mental health now because I think that that's really important in being the best mother that I can be as well. If I'm making sure that I am doing little things for myself outside of mothering, like Mm. I've loved since Hazel started daycare when she was about 18 months old, I think, because I work from home with our own business, that tuition business. And so I get that time at home where she's not, I mean, she's still on my mind. (laughs) Even (laughs) if you're away from your kids, I feel like they're still constantly on your mind. But, you know, I get some of that time and I love having that. I love having, we have a lot of familial help as well. Like my mum and auntie and Hagen's parents are around helping us Mm. a lot, looking after Hazel. And so we're really fortunate that I do get that time for myself. And even just trying to get out on a walk every day really helps me to, yeah, reconnect with myself. And I think Mm. that that's what our kids deserve is us having that independence because you're not so absorbed in motherhood. I think there's this kind of this idea on um, that perfect mother myth and Mm. the intensive mothering kind of idea of you've got to be there with your kids (laughs) at all time, enjoying every second moment. And if you send them to daycare too early, you're going to ruin Mm. them and all of these ridiculous kind of things, you know, and maybe this isn't the case for everyone, but I know for me, like, Maintaining that independence is just so crucial mm-hmm. in me being the best mother that I can be. Yeah, absolutely. And you can tell when that's kind of lacking because it's mm. like, you know, if you're sleep deprived and you're physically depleted as well, it kind of, I feel like it strips back those protective layers you have around your mental health and then you're kind of just left with, I mean, this is, again, speaking for my my own experience, but you're left <laughs> with this kind of like this mess mm. that you kind of, you really need to be active about working up like building those protective layers around it so that you can be showing up in the best way possible. That's not always like, you know, you can't do that every minute of every day, but yeah, I think it's, that's really important. And it's definitely advice that I need to take as well (laughs) for myself. Yeah. I mean, same, I say it, but (laughs) is it easy to do every day? No, definitely not. (laughs) So what has been one of the most challenging parts of your motherhood journey? Definitely the friendships, as I was mentioning Mm. earlier, like that's been a pretty big thing for me. Uh, And in terms of more innately in the motherhood scheme, maybe just the feelings of guilt that I'll get around certain things. In the early days, it was definitely on those kind of like shoulds of what my daughter should be doing in terms of sleep or all of those kind of things. I would do a lot of Dr. Google online. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, now it's kind of I feel a sense of guilt of how much I love my time away from her, even though she's constantly on my mind. Yeah. As I was saying, I 
it's this feeling of guilt of like, I should want to be with her at all times, or is she going to be okay if I'm not, or all of these kind of things. Like I, yeah, or not baking her superfood quinoa <laughs> muffins every day. Or, <laughs> you know, I, I end up just buying a lot of the snacks from the supermarket that are packaged yeah. and that are not the most sustainable, but sometimes you just don't have the bloody energy to. Yeah, sometimes you need that convenience. That's what it's <laughs> yeah. there for. Yeah we tried cloth nappies in the early days and now we've reverted to disposable nappies because it's just so much easier mm-hmm. and sometimes um, you need you need we need that ease not sometimes all the time yeah. I feel I don't know if it, there is like a way to protect new mums of being like you don't have to do it like because I absolutely did that like googling everything <laughs> and feeling like oh th- he should be doing this by this age or you know and I with subsequent babies I've not felt that way that pressure's been gone because I, I guess it took me these poor first babies, like little guinea pigs, you know, like, <laughs> but they teach you just like, oh, they're going to do things in their own way in their own time. I have this theory, I'm not the only one to have thought it, but like I feel like their births tell you something about their personality. Mm-hmm. Like each birth that I've had for my children, I think it's kind of been the first sign of who they're going to be <laughs> and <laughs> it's tracking, you know, like it's making sense. Like my <laughs> second son who was born at 36 weeks in a big rush my goodness, he is in a rush to do everything. Like he's about to be two, but he's still technically mm-hmm. one and he's like decided it's time to be potty trained. Like, he, yeah. you know, like yeah. he's, I mean, in not a really helpful way. Like he's pulling his nappy <laughs> down and piddling on the floor. And so <laughs> we take him to the toilet and then he does it there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're a genius. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, whereas my firstborn took a bit longer, certainly. Yeah, so it's just, it's really interesting. I think that their births give you a big insight mm. into their personality. But it's also like, it takes a lot of critical thinking to analyze and question where we get these ideas from. It's just, well, there's so much pressure and we we put a lot of it on ourselves, but we also are getting it from external sources. And I just wish there was a way to kind of warn first time mothers and like, be like, you don't need to, don't, mm-hmm. like, don't give in to that. Just do your own thing. Like, Yes, absolutely. It's really, really difficult. We make it a lot, well, not, it's not our fault. I don't think there's, you know, society has a lot to answer for, mm. but we make it really difficult on ourselves when it's already difficult. Mm-hmm. I did yeah. want to ask about your second pregnancy and how that came to be. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'd, I'd had this idea that I wanted to wait, like have a three-ish year age gap because I hadn't planned the first time and, mm. yeah, a big age gap would totally be fine. So that was kind of in my head and then the friend that I was talking about earlier, my old childhood friend we had been talking and she was planning to have her first baby and I'm thinking oh we could try and start trying around the same time mm-hmm. which was going to be the end of this year yeah and then she got pregnant unplanned a lot ahead of schedule and mm-hmm. I remember she called me and said do you want do you want to start trying now <laughs> and I was pitching the idea to Hagen and we had a big chat about it and ultimately we were like oh no it's not the time but then just kind of had this feeling as it was getting closer to the time that we would need to try for the month. I think I was ovulating this one night. I just kind of said to him, oh, like, what if we just give it one try, (laughs) you know? And if this baby like wants to be here, this little soul floating around in the ether (laughs) wants to come down, then it's meant to be. Mm. He was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, we got pregnant that first (laughs) bloody time. (laughs) that we tried, (laughs) which, yeah, it was, yeah, I'm 
very grateful that we were able to and obviously another little being that really wants to be here. I mean, Hazel's such such a determined character herself and I think it has a lot to do with, you know, she had to traverse so many obstacles to actually Mm. get here with the IED. Yeah, Yeah, and so that was kind of the entry into this Mm -hmm. pregnancy but it's, yeah, it's amazing how different it is when you have kind of planned a little bit more for Mm. it and it's gone so much more quickly because I've got a toddler and, yeah, I feel a lot more empowered in it because I have birthed before and I know Mm. what it's like. I think something that comes with that first time you birth is just the not knowing what to expect in labour and now I know what to expect and I feel excited to labour again and Mm. we're having a home birth so I'm excited about that, excited to focus on all of those things and find my voice as I was saying. Yeah, Yeah. beautiful. What has been one of the most rewarding parts of your motherhood journey? I'd have to say my relationship with my daughter. I love how it's grown over time. She's such an inquisitive, beautiful little soul. And especially now, she's so much more interactive and she can talk a little bit. And I love when she wraps her little arms around my neck or snuggles into my body and she's been telling me quite sincerely that she loves me recently because I try and say it to her heaps of times a day so she's really kind of like replicating that and you know she'll pull back from me and just look into my eyes with her big beautiful brown eyes and she'll just like look at me and she says I love you, mum. And it's just so cute. Yeah. It melts (laughs) your heart every time. Melts your heart, yeah. And Hagen and I just most nights after she's gone to bed we'll just kind of like sit there and talk about how amazing she is or like little things she did that day and both our parents are the same everyone just loves talking about oh she did this at the park today and oh my god what a genius yeah Yeah, yeah. so yeah Yeah. I think it's yeah I think parenthood as unplanned and as challenging it's been it's time at times I think it's been by far my favorite thing that I've ever done in my life what has surprised you most about motherhood I think for this one, just how all-consuming it is, I didn't expect that. I didn't realise that before becoming a mum. Like people tell you parenthood is hard, but you can't really know until you're in the thick of it. Mm. You know, you just don't get a break ever. (laughs) Even if you're away from your child, they're constantly on your mind. You're wondering how they're doing, if they need you, Mm -hmm. if there's something that you've forgotten or, yeah, just thinking about if they're missing you or it's just, yeah, it's it's a lot yep. <laughs> constantly on your mind. But I guess overall, even though it's so consuming, just that, I think I mentioned it earlier, but that sense of purpose that it's given me, although I had that intuition that that was going to happen, I think that did surprise me in the early days as well, just how much I was just so set on, I am a mother now and I love that. And this is, yeah, this is my journey. And I feel really happy and confident in that. Yeah. Could you tell us a bit about how becoming parents has changed your relationship with Hagen? Yeah. Well, you know, again, we're in that really new relationship. So our relationship's in a constant state of flux Mm -hmm. because we weren't together for all that long. But I think parenthood has made us so much stronger because Mm. we really have to, you have to work as a team in parenthood. And if you like, I mean, you don't, you don't have to, and some people don't, and then that's really challenging, but the more that we can, and I mean, we're not perfect at it. We'll bicker now and then, but we're really good at talking things through and he's so supportive and yeah, such an amazing person. And 
yeah, I really think it's made us stronger overall, mm. becoming parents together. And I just love seeing him with Hazel and I can't wait to see him with a new little baby mm. as well. Like just watching him really love your baby and watching her love him and the relationship, it's just, it's just so wonderful to watch. Mm. It just <laughs> kind of creates an extra layer of love for them as well. Yep, absolutely. There's, yeah, there's nothing like parenting alongside someone else. Mm. If you could go back to visit your maiden self, what advice would you give her? I think I would say put your phone away. Trust your instincts when it comes to parenting because, yeah, as I was saying, I did a lot of late night Googling about all of the things and and everyone loves to give you their opinion on parenting Mm -hmm. or on sleep or asking you if your baby's a good or bad sleeper or <laughs> all of those kind of things. And it was probably tied up in my anxiety as well, but I got super anxious about whether I was doing things right. Whereas now I know that I'm doing things right. I think that was a really big thing in my early motherhood journey. And especially just having no close mum connections in the first few months, especially before the parents group started. So yeah, I think the next time I have the baby, I think I'll just be so much more relaxed Mm. because I know what to do. It's just that first time doing anything. I guess, you know, I sometimes think of, well, parenting is a job and that's why it's so annoying when people talk about, you know, oh, your time off because it's (laughs) like parenting. There's all those studies about how parenting is like working two and a half full-time jobs or something. Mm. So I think that really needs to be recognized for (laughs) mothers and for parents. But I think I'll just be a lot more a lot more relaxed, a lot more confident in myself. And I wish I could just go back and give new mum me a big hug and just say, you're doing a great job. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need to hear as well. Mm. I feel like the, the best compliment someone can give me is saying mm. that I'm a good mum. I always want to yes. cry. I'm just like, yeah. thank you. That's really what I needed <laughs> to hear. Yes. Okay. So now can you tell us a bit about your podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So Similar to you, I primarily interviewed mums. I kind of wanted the focus to be parenthood because there's, yeah, there's so many beautiful motherhood podcasts. And I thought, oh, like I want dads and other people to be able to come on as well. But the interest has definitely been from mothers. Mm. (laughs) And those episodes definitely seemed to be the most listened to kind of ones as I think there's, yeah. There's just something so intricate and special about motherhood. But yeah, so similar kind of thing. I had this creative surge at three months postpartum with my first daughter. I wanted to write a children's book and I thought, I'm going to start a podcast (laughs) as well. And then it took almost a year until I would just say it to everyone every now and then until I just spoke to someone I'd met through my mother's group and asked, could I interview you before she was going back to India to see some family? And she was like, sure, why not? And so I did that mm. interview, I think three or four months before I actually launched the podcast, but it was it was what I needed to be like, okay, now, well, now I have to do it because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's evolving over time. I'm shifting it away from, well, not away from, I still love doing the interview style kind of like one-on-one questions. I'm obviously doing my VBAC series at the moment. Um, which is a little bit different. And then I'm also planning to do some more kind of like casual chats episodes with maybe like three or four mums in them where we talk about different topics, you know, like making friends as a parent. I've recorded an episode on that that's coming out in my final very short season of the year. 
and mm. it's, been, it's been wonderful in lieu of having that big parent community mm. in my friendship group. I really wanted that kind of community in motherhood and Nest to definitely created that and I really enjoy doing it. Mm. And yeah. what's it called? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely baby. So last question, mm-hmm. you have mentioned a couple of different podcasts and including your own Mm. but are there any other influential texts like other podcasts books programs social media accounts that you would recommend to our listeners I think I'm a big podcast nerd I love love a podcast I'd say that that's kind of the main things that I get on top of now like there's obviously yours and anyone who's listening's (laughs) listening (laughs) to yours the great one that I really enjoyed yeah what I've heard so far ready or not I don't know if you've heard of hers Lucinda McKim I interviewed her on my podcast podcast she does it it's around how mothers make work work yeah it's a very great one stories of motherhood it's another great one after birth pod I like beyond the bump as well I like how they're (laughs) Mm. they're very um casual and yeah and obviously I'm all in the birth podcasts again so yeah I've listened to so many Australian birth stories and I'm so excited for your VBAC stories pod to launch because I was listening to the other one by Mel and Steph, and then they mm. closed up shop. But yeah, there's some great birth ones out there too. Positive yeah. Birth Australia, the Home Birth After Cesarean one by Ashley Winning. Great. Mm. Oh, great. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Thanks for sharing yeah. those with us and for yeah. sharing everything that you have today. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time and being patient with me when we figure out the technical <laughs> <Yeah>. difficulties. <laughs> My goodness. So fine. So, so fine. Well, thank you so much for having me on. You've been listening to The Motherwhelm, where we celebrate honest, unfiltered stories of motherhood. If today's episode resonated with you, I would love for you to join our community over on Instagram under the handle at the.motherwhelm. This is where you can find updates and behind-the-scenes content and share your own unique journey using the hashtag motherwhelmmoments. To keep these powerful conversations going, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And don't forget to share the show with fellow mums who might find solace, laughter or inspiration in these stories. Until next time, you'll be listening to the mailbag. Perfect. Beautiful job. Thank you, my darling. Mm-hmm.